Welcome to the Words of Grace podcast, where we discuss faith journeys, fellowship and stories from across the Diocese of Sheffield. Each week we will feature guests from a broad range of backgrounds and traditions within the Church of England. Our mission is to delve deeper into matters of faith and to ask each guest what has drawn them to Christianity. I'm Ben Fern and I'm here with my colleague and co-host, Paul Sheridan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ben. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. First one back after Christmas. And our first day back in the office ourselves, I believe. Well, it is first day back for yeah, me, yes. I so. took a little bit of an extended holiday, you know, just, you know, sunning myself in Sheffield. Sunny Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have something to lift the blues. So mum for a while, uh, very, very much a friend of the podcast, yeah. uh, Debbie, she has been talking about sending me in with some sweet treats for the guests. So yes. she sent me with some shortbread uh, for us to eat here today. Thank you very much, Debbie. They look absolutely fab. Ben's already had two or three, I think, so there's a few left, so I'll still take those back to my office and share them out in a minute. There goes a New Year diet. <laughs> but also, I mean... I know. We've given further treats Overwhelmed well. with treats. We've actually got a Yorkie bar each, because our guest is from Yorkshire. Yeah, do you remember the Yorkies? I mean, I think the peanut Yorkie was my favourite one. Ooh, but yeah. yeah, Yorkshire's a big part of my life, my history. We'll probably maybe hear a bit more about that later. So yeah, it just gave me an excuse to buy a three-pack. So there's one for each of you guys and one for me as that's well. Fantastic. Like, that's fantastic. First guest that's done that as well. Yeah, I think that should be a bit of a tradition to bring in some some treats for the presenters, don't you? And we should have some sort of leaderboard for what kind of... <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> fab, like the old Top Gear leaderboard yeah, of, 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 of speed in the car of whatever it was. Oh, the reasonably priced car. Reasonably priced yeah. car, yeah. Back in... You're top of the leaderboard, Chris, at the moment. Okay, so. thank you. You're well ahead. Say. You're yeah. very welcome. You yeah. set the standard for the year. Yeah, quite a bike. So did you have a good Christmas, Ben? I did, thank you. Yeah, it was uh, quite a relaxing one, but that's what I wanted, really. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, did you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, family, um, friends... That sort of stuff. Having a new bathroom fitted so the house is chaos again. So, But yeah, that's part of our lives, isn't it? And we've got to go around church house asking. It's one of those times people obviously are very polite, as they should be. So that question's asked a lot, isn't it, understandably? Yes. How was Christmas? How was and we did watch Die Hard as well. So there we are. Very good, yes. Set that into, right, at, right at the beginning. Anyway, shall we uh, introduce our guest? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this week's guest is Chris Stebbing, who is an AATE... For short, we will come on to that because we love yeah. to love a bit of an explanation okay, of C of E terms. I do that quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris was born in Whitby and brought up in Scarborough and became a Christian after a dramatic conversion whilst at university. He studied engineering and worked at Vickers Shipbuilding in Barrow, making nuclear submarines. During this time, he met and married his wife Mandy and they had their first son Thomas. But with priest peace breaking out all over the world in the early 90s, it took voluntary redundancy. This brought him to Sheffield, where he's continued to work in industry until got, got the call to train for ministry at Cranmer Hall. Uh, Chris served his curancy at Malin Bridge and as incumbent in St. John's Park for eight years, and most recently was minister at St. Luke, Luke's Lodgemore, which is an LEP, another thing that gets bandied around that we probably need to explain a bit more for nine years before taking up his current post. Chris has said his calling has always been to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and is now enjoying working with clergy and congregations to do that as we work towards uh, the latest Dyson strategy with a new one coming along behind it. Leisure-wise, normally some crazy engineering project on the go and Chris's claim to fame is that he appeared on Channel 4's Scrap Heap Challenge TV show. 
Yeah. Now, we just need to get start the campaign now because you've just told me that this is not available on catch-up. Slightly weirdly, on channel4.com, you can view series two and series four and all the ones later than that. But I was on series three, and it's not on there for some reason. But if anybody's that interested, I do have an old VHS cassette tape, which yes, I can lend so you. If anybody's got the capability to play one of those. You haven't still. got a VHS cassette player still in your house, have you? No, but I'm sure we can get Jason to help, can't we? I mean, we watched <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol this Christmas in Church House, and so maybe next Christmas we can... We could put on that tape. I bet, I bet in the bowels of Church House, there's a top-loading VHS cassette player of, yeah, that you push down on a trolley with an old-fashioned telly above it. I bet that's in a room somewhere here. Definitely. Can I just say as well, when you said earlier, I thought you said priests breaking out all over the world. Well, I did stumble <laughs> over my words. and back. At, I wasn't back at it very well this morning. And uh, I did say priests breaking out all over the world. Which, which was true. Which is fine. Yeah. Uh, and also priests bringing peace out. All over the world, hopefully. So I think it was a subliminal message. I don't think actually. Great. <laughs> yeah, there's always a few of those going on. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks so much for inviting me today. No, it's lovely to um, to have you. You were one of the first people, Chris, to actually communicate with us once we started this podcast. Oh, okay. Early doors. I don't know if you remember. I think you sent a Teams message to say. Yeah, something like. I mean, yeah. you I know, think you gave some helpful advice as well. I think on that message. It was just something about. I think something had gone slightly wrong with the edit. Yeah, the that was my fault. Music had been a bit. So I thought, well. You know, this is part of the thing. If nobody tells you, it just stays like that, doesn't it? But I knew you guys would appreciate a bit of feedback. So, so I was frustrated I made that error, but also I was relieved I thought someone is actually listening. <laughs> <laughs> we put it out into the ether thinking, is anyone going to listen? And then when it was a Teams message, I think our Teams Ben straight away and said, oh, Chris has been in touch. It was great to hear that someone had. So thanks very much for that. No, that's all right. And uh, I've really enjoyed the podcasts. Um, it's helpful you know, you often meet people at meetings and things, but you don't really get the chance to get to know them or get to know much about them. I mean, the ones with like Bishop Pete and Bishop Sophie, absolutely revelation to me. Never knew most of that stuff about them. Yeah. Um, and same with many of the people on the podcast. So it's nice to be able to, if I can say it, just to put the human yeah. into the sort of business or ministry person that you see um, in in regular work. We found that a lot, actually. It's, you know, some guests we've had on who we work with on a daily basis, and then they've come on the podcast, and we've, there's been so many, like you say, revelations, things we found out about that we didn't know before. Yeah. So there's plenty we need to delve into as well today, yeah. Chris. Okay. <laughs> so where should we kick off to? Uh, you mentioned right at the start of that bio about your time at uni. So you were born Whitby. Yeah, the discover, that's right. then, Where did you go to uni? So, um, well, uh, yeah, I was born in Whitby, and my family was sort of, church attenders if you like and we went to a church called i don't know if people will know it the order of the holy paraclete in whitby it's where that it used to be a nunnery but also it served as the parish church so i got dragged along to that as a kid um and then when we moved to scarborough again went to quite a high church but it was only when i went to university that i actually found faith for myself um so i I left school, went to work at Vickers Shipbuilding, started an apprenticeship there, and they sent me to Cambridge University to study engineering. And when I was at Cambridge, I realized quite a lot of people there were Christians. I thought, hang on a minute, I thought you Cambridge people were supposed to be intelligent. Didn't we leave all this behind years ago? Didn't science disprove all this stuff? Um, so that surprised me. And really it was through Christian friends that I came to faith. So I had a friend, uh, Pauline, she's still a friend today, and she used to go to the Baptist church. And she said, actually, Chris, on Sunday, I'm getting baptized by full immersion at the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come along? 
I thought, oh, blimey, I don't really want to go along. This sounds a bit embarrassing, a bit strange. But um, she said, oh, come along, come along. So, you know, the power of friendship. I went along, I sat at the back of that Baptist church, and I thought, what on earth are these people doing? It was the proper traditional thing. Yeah, they put on white robes, and oh like gosh. swam a length of the short pool at the front of the church, the baptistry, came out soaking wet. I thought, what on earth? Fancy doing this. Why make a spectacle of yourself in this kind of way? But the most incredible experience, which now I can give, I can say, well, it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit in those days. But at the end of that service, I just felt this incredible peace and joy come over me. It was like all my cares and worries had been picked up and thrown away, and I felt fantastic. And I couldn't explain it. Um, and this, this continued for quite a number of days. Um, by the way, I didn't really do anything about it. But then I had another similar experience. A friend took me to a talk at City Hall. Uh, Christian talk, and I, again, I didn't really want to go, but again, after it, I don't remember much of the talk, but this incredible peace came over me. And then a third time, I thought, something's happening here, and this is from outside of me, and always it seems to be happening in a religious context. I think this is God telling me that he is real, and it's up to me now whether I want to respond to it or not. So after that first experience at the Baptist Church, did you not say anything to the people that had taken you or any of your friends? No, nope, kept quiet about it. Kept totally quiet about it until the third time when I think I thought, I can't ignore this any longer kind of thing. Uh, God was very gracious to me. Yeah, very, yeah. You yeah. Know. So no, it was only after the third time I thought, well, I've got to make a decision here. Either I deny what I've experienced or I say, okay, God, you must be there. And that was what I decided to do. And God working in surprising ways again. You know, you mentioned the context of not expecting there to be many believers where you were at university, but there yeah. were. Yeah. And also initially thinking that sort of process was quite peculiar. And yet you had several revelations from it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, really, um, and, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit's been sort of an important part of my Christian journey, my Christian life ever since then. So after that third experience, what, 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 how did you handle that? Uh, I literally went back to my student room, got down on my knees, and I said, uh, okay, God, I recognize that you're there. Sorry I've been ignoring you for the past X, year, X years. Um, I'll choose to give my life to you from today. Sudden turning point, and that yeah. was it. And that wasn't the end of the story. That was the start, the start of the greatest, most enjoyable wildest adventure of being a Christian um, that I'm still enjoying today. So what was that next step then? Because that is such a big moment for you in your life. How did you think to tackle that sort of moving forward? Well, you know, as I say, I had quite a few Christian friends. Uh, and so once I shared this with them, um, I got involved with the Christian Union uh, in Keys College. They were quite a good group, quite supportive. I started going to the Baptist Church where I'd had that first experience. Um, and yeah, just ever ever since then. So what year would I have been in then? I'd have been in the third year out of four then, I think, at university. So then, um, yeah, when I left Cambridge, moved back to Barrow to work in the shipyard again, um, found a church to go to, and um, 
just continued the normal Christian discipleship life, I guess. What was it like? You can both fill me in on this. I imagine engineering is a very difficult thing to study and, you know, to have as a profession. What was it like balancing that with this new journey with faith? Um, I found it okay. So I made a sort of policy decision in all the, throughout my career to let people know quite early on that I was a Christian. And once it's out there, it's easier. And I found everybody was fine about it. You get a few comments and stuff, but you've got to be prepared to, as long as you don't expect people to like stop swearing in your presence or, you know, change the way they do things, as long as you're not too judgmental, actually people are fine about it. Um, and what was slightly weird was you'd often find there were more people in the factory who were Christians than you might have realized. You know, some of the factories I worked in were pretty rough places, to be honest, and it was quite a hard, you know, hard, fierce crack, as we might call it. Um, and yet you'd find that uh, on a, you know, on a quiet night out or something like that, people would sidle up and say, actually, I go to the Catholic Church every Sunday, take my kids, wouldn't miss it. You know, or people say, oh, actually, uh, I used to go to the Pentecostal Church when I was a teenager. So there's actually more people out there than I think we sometimes realise. Um, and, yeah, engineering, it's, it, it's a, it can be a bit of a tough sort of occupation, but, you know, people are people. And if you're all right with people, they're all right with you usually. I think that's, that's absolute key, yes. Um, you're right. Shop floor can be an interesting place. Um, but I think that's true of any environment you go into. So, yeah, engineering most of my life, tough environment. I think, as Chris says, if you're okay with people, people are okay with you. Um, what I think I found difficult was Christians that I knew that weren't okay with people. I think, you know, you would get some people come up to you and say, so-and-so, he's a bit of a prat, isn't he? And you'd think, well, I don't know what to say now because actually I, he's told you about God. But he, that's not the impression that he's giving in the way that he behaves. So I think it's really important. Um, and I think probably even more so nowadays that if you declare your faith, I think you have to back that up with the way you behave. Yeah. I think yeah. the most difficult thing is when people come across people that declare a faith and are then just either just obnoxious or a pain in the neck. So I'm not saying that you have to be happy, clappy and glad all the time. I think you have to be real. Mm. And and one of the things I found that when I went through difficult times, if I was real with people and say, actually, you know, that's been really, really tough. I think people appreciate that much more than some sort of facade. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you've played football and I and I played football and cricket and I've been in sports changing rooms. I think a shop floor is very similar to a sports changing room. You know, you, you, you be real and honest and open about your life. There'll be someone who'll take the mick and there'll be a number of guys that, you know, are, are absolutely fine. It's just, it's just yeah. people, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. And you, you mentioned football there as well. You'd assume there weren't really any Christians in the football group I play with, but actually there are. And again, it's that, it's that openness. And it comes back to what Hannah Sandoval, who's been on the podcast before, she mentioned the email signature analogy, which I thought was quite good about, you know, if on your email signature it said, I'm a Christian or words to that effect. Yeah would you send the email sort of thing? I think mm. that's quite helpful yeah. way to look at it. Yeah, and we've stood on the terraces. You know, you stand around with 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 with, with stuff that is it's real life. It's real people. And I think you have to be real yourself. And I think people appreciate that, don't they? Yeah. So so how long did you work at Vickers? Uh, yeah, so it sounds crazy now, but in about... So I got uh, met my wife in Barrow, got married. 
Um, been working there for about seven, eight years. But yeah, peace was breaking out all over the world. The Cold War was coming to an end. The Berlin Wall was coming down. They said, we ain't going to need these hunter-killer submarines anymore. So as a sort of recent graduate, I thought, well, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity coming up. People who were on the job next grade higher than me were typically people who'd been on a job two grades higher than that coming down. So I took voluntary redundancy, came to Sheffield, and we lived in uh, Raw Marsh. I went, worshipped at St. Mary's Greensboro at that time. Worked for a company called Swift Lavic Magnets, making rare earth magnets. So quite high-tech stuff, engineering again. And uh, worked for them, and then a company in Barnsley, Metalliform. Uh, worked there for a couple of years. Uh, I was like production manager there. Uh, all the lads on, and lasses on the factory floor um, were working under my um, in my area, sort of thing. But yeah, then um, uh, got the call for ministry. It's a long process going forward for ministry. Honestly, it took about... <laughs> Good um, honesty there. <laughs> honestly, for the listener, a very pained expression came over Chris's face. That is, God, it's a long process. <laughs> well, it is. Um, a, a bit of a dad's story maybe so when i first felt the call to ministry um i thought well is it really you know and i prayed with our vic and he said yeah i think you know god's calling you into ministry but then i thought well is it just that i've got itchy feet at work so i said okay i mean you know the bible does tell you do not put the lord your god to the test but we sort of dress it up in religious language don't we so we said well let's lay a fleece before the lord yeah, yeah. so i said okay god what I'll do is I'll apply for a new engineering job and I'll apply for the Church of England at the same time. And whichever one comes through first must be your will. Okay. Uh, okay, so just for the listener again, we're not recommending this at all. This is just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Well, we think that's a good idea, but should I think it's a good idea? <laughs> so, um, sure enough, um, Thursday's star... That week, there was a job closer to home, Metalliform Products in Barnsley, closer to my home. A little bit more responsibility, a little bit more money. I thought, oh, this sounds good. And my vicar wrote off to the director of ordinance. And um, so both things were rolling. Anyway, to cut a long story short, within two weeks, I'd got the job in engineering. And all I've had from the Church of England is... We acknowledge receipt of your letter. Please come for an exploratory interview in January. So, anyway, so, anyway, again, got down on my knees, said, okay, God, that was the deal. That was a slight regret, if, if to be honest. Said, that was the deal, whichever one came through first was your will. And I felt God saying, no, this isn't my will. Um, for the longer term, I want you to be a minister. Um, and then, so I started working this new job. And um, met the managing director for the first time. Said, Chris, really, we should have told you this when he came for an interview. But actually, your job, because it's to do with updating procedures and stuff in the factory, it's part funded by the DTI. And that funding is only for two years. So, strictly speaking, it's only a two-year appointment. Which was a bit cheeky, really, when I'd given up a steady job to go there. Yes. But uh, anyway, I thought, hmm, okay. But then time came round to go and see the director of ordinance, explain the situation, said, Oh, we don't rush into anything in the Church of England. You'll need to have 14 interviews with me and interviews with other people. You'll need to go on, well, it's kind of the equivalent of the Big Brother house where, you know, the um, 
the senior people from the Church of England are watching you all the time and stuff like that. You'll need to He's go with... us just into the Big Brother house. <laughs> you need to write us a Sheffield version. I think Hugh Thomas will be in there, I think, for us. <laughs> oh, no! Can you imagine? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Um, and you'll need to go away for a weekend's complete silence to contemplate the change that you're considering. And the whole process takes, guess how long? Two years. So that two years that I had that job was the two years that it took to go through the... Church of England selection process. Reminds me of the patience of Jacob in the <laughs> Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that seems, that that's such a calling on, a, on, you know, in two ways in a way. You know, it all seemed to connect together and your, yeah. your prayer was answered, not, but not yeah. the way you expected. Exactly. I mean, I see this as God's work in my life. You know, the two years he gave me that job for was the two years needed to go through that selection process. God's got it all planned out. The trouble is he doesn't let you know in advance you only find it out like a day at a time i remember you very kindly chris this was in 2022 we did a yorkshire day post oh, and yeah. you and some of the other social archdeacons um did some reflections but it's becoming even more apparent just how big yorkshire's been in your life not just in terms of your upbringing but um also your work and of course your ministry too yeah yeah that's right i mean yorkshire's home to me it's not the poshest county in um the country is it let's be honest but I, I think Yorkshire people are great. Yorkshire people are open and honest. They say what they think, sometimes a bit too much so. Um, and, you know, the scenery and everything's fantastic. And I love the coast. I do miss Whitby and Scarborough, actually. Might even think about retiring back there one day, you never know. I think we should, at this point, have a Whitby-Scarborough appreciation sort of few minutes. Yeah. It's, um, you mentioned about the church renting Whitby. The first one that came into my head was the, is it 199 steps to the top? What's yeah, that that's again? St. Mary's at the yeah. top there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, near that's to a the, lovely old church. Near to the Abbey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's quite a variety of churches in Whitby. Um, yeah, but I mean, as a child, so this is one of the things I've tried to carry forward into my ministry. As a child, church seemed quite dark and strange. You didn't really know what was going on. It was sit down, keep quiet. Um, so whenever I've been in ministry, I've tried to work against that. So I typically don't dress all in black. I know some colleagues think that's important, but I don't. Um, I try and help kids to understand where we are, what's expected of them. And, you know, working with kids in schools and in churches um, has been a really big part of my ministry in the diocese. And it's something I really enjoy. Uh, I got roped in for a Chris Dingle service. So that's one of the things I miss, I suppose, about parish ministry, in that it don't get involved in things like school assemblies and stuff like that so much anymore. But I got roped in for a Chris Dingle service before, just before Christmas. Really enjoyed it, just in our local church at um, St. Peter's Bay Green. Yeah, I think it's really important, isn't it, that we, <clears throat> particularly in this sort of, you know, we're, we can all get into the theory of post-Christendom and all that sort of stuff, but actually people are becoming less and less knowledgeable about what happens at church, isn't it, uh, aren't we? And, you know, we grew up in a generation where a lot more people just went to church, mm. you know, whether that was a meaningful experience or not doesn't really matter at this point. But uh, it's always one of the things that's frustrated me, that people start services. They never even introduce themselves. Mm. They never even say, hi, good morning, everybody. My name's Paul, and, and this is who I am. It, 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 it was one of the things that's always frustrated me, non-conformist background everything people just start a service with no introduction in no other walk of life would you walk into a room of 
whether it's 10 people or 200 people, and not introduce yourself and put some sort of context around what yeah. is happening. Yeah. It, it's just the strangest things that we do without even realizing, isn't it? Yeah, people are going to be more able to receive a message um, if they're comfortable. Uh, it, notice this in particular with baptism families. Um, so, you know, you get baptism families, maybe 100 people who aren't normally in church, and, you know, they don't know about standing up and sitting down or whatever. Not that any of that stuff's really that important. But people can have a much better experience if they just um, know what to expect, know what's required of them, um, and are made to feel welcome. And, you know, you say at the start, you know, great to welcome you all here. I've been looking forward to today for quite some time. These kind of things, make it's a small difference, but... But if people can then actually receive the message rather than just endure it until they can get out, you know, that, I think that's a much better witness for God. I remember um, my, the, the, the guy used to collect my scrap for my factory, Eddie. Okay, he was, fr it was, a, he was a bla um, from the black country, uh, from the black country, and he was. Uh, done. Uh, I was good, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, he, yeah, I, I mean, Eddie was 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 from a let's say a traveler's background, but he was a lovely guy and, and um, we'd, I'd known him for many years, my dad had known him. And uh, unfortunately he passed away and I went to his funeral. And um, I remember we, we were in um, Dudley and there was uh, a load of lorries going down the main street in Dudley with, they were old um, sort of pickups and, and scrap lorries yeah. with stuff on them and there was Eddie's yeah. flowers and stuff. And we went to this church and I was just thinking, I didn't know anything. And we went to this very, very high Catholic church and it was absolutely full to the brim. And I thought, well, I'll be fine. You know, I've, I've been going to church for years. I know exactly. I had no idea what was yeah. going on. It was in Latin. We were up and down at strange moments. There were words spoken. People were saying that. And it really struck me at that point. I thought I knew what would be going on. I had not a clue. There was no introduction. There was no concept of knowing when things were going to happen. And it really struck me after that was if I felt that and I was at yeah. ease in being a church, yeah. what it must be for like for people that aren't. And I, I really think it's important that we put people at ease, but also give them some context as what's going on yeah. and say, if you don't stand up at the right time, it really does not matter. Yeah. I always cite two examples. So I won't name the churches, but they're from different parts of the country, but sort of different extremes of that welcome you mentioned. So one service I went to a couple of years ago was, um, again, I had that, obviously I've been to church many years, so I thought I'd be okay, but nothing was really signposted so it was welcoming in the sense but it the service just kind of ran i remember thinking they had the hymns listed it was a harvest service and the first two is sort of come you thankful people come and mm -hmm. plow the fields oh i know yeah. these but the sort of choir sung it as people were coming in and there's no sort of hello i'm such and such at the service and then at the very end they just went started singing the final hymn so oh i better stand up there we're not doing those other two so that was a strange one where, again, there wasn't wider context. I thought if you weren't familiar with the church background, that would be very confusing. But equally, another service I've been to where it's all jazz hands, very in your face. You yeah. must meet this person. This is this person. This is this person. So I guess it's sort of a middle ground, isn't yeah. it? It's being welcoming, given that context, but not also being sort of in your face too much. Yeah, and, and different people are looking for different things as well. I remember when I was curious at St. Polycarp, did some door-to-door -door work and um, spoke to two different neighbours. So one said, oh, that's St. Polycarp's church. I went there to a service after my husband died and nobody spoke to me. And then the people next door said, oh, that's St. Polycarp's church. I went there after my husband died and I just wanted to sit quietly at the back and people insisted on speaking to me. 
it's hard to get it right. It is, absolutely. It's hard to get it right as churches, but I think we've got to try. Yeah, we came to, when we first moved to Sheffield 2017, 20, 2018, we did a bit of a tour of churches. And, and again, having been around churches for a long time, um, it was interesting the different welcomes that we got at different places and having organized welcome committees and all that sort of stuff, you could almost sense the ones that were that done the welcome by numbers. You know, you were sit there and so you would see you could see that people would come over and speak. And it was it was quite noticeable the way different churches and I don't think there is a right answer. The answer is to be welcoming in the way that's that's right for people, isn't yeah. it? To just have a, a building and a, a, an attitude of, of welcome. Yeah, and to be interested in people. Absolutely. It's not like this is this is what we've got to offer to you. It's yes. who are you? Who are you? Yeah. What's your story? Yeah. What's brought you here today? Uh, so you then went into city mission, really, once you your you know of your ordination. So uh, St Polycarp's. Yeah. Um, Curate at St Polycarp's. Mark Kane was my trainer in Coburn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a great time there. And then, yeah, just got a calling um, to St. John's at Park. Just got lost driving around Sheffield one day. And both my wife and I got a feeling, oh, wouldn't this be a good, driving up by the side of Park Hill or something, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't this be a good place to minister? So, uh, and I thought, actually, I think this church is coming up. Um, yeah, so. Um, it's, it's a big church right on the roundabout just so that people know which one it is it, yeah it's a little bit up from the roundabout yeah, but it, it, you can see it from quite a long way around yeah so as you come around Derek Dooley way yeah. you can see it from quite a distance and it looks like there was once a second tower on the church hall yeah. which has been cut off yeah. uh, but actually it was designed like that so it was designed to be a truncated tower yeah I'm going to sound quite partridge here. I'm sure I did a vox pop around there once in back in my radio days. Now you've mentioned where oh, the, yeah. the church is. Um, I think I've got that image in my head. I wish I'd gone in now. Yeah. And it's, um, and you know, there's the great big blocks of flats, the Hyde Park flats and Park Hill flats are part of the parish there. Yeah. Although when I was there, they were just emptying it all out, uh, ready for the regeneration work, which seems to still be continuing. Yeah. It's urban splash. Later. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting project because uh, we won't go down there, but um, we actually looked in those flats when we first moved to oh, Sheffield yeah. and an urban splash are regenerating it steadily in different ways. Quite an interesting idea that they're okay. regeneration but that area is changing yeah really really changing from when you were there probably yeah it is so i've been uh, doing a bit of work with that church which has been great and the congregation is really growing it's um something like doubled over the last 12 yes. months yeah. and there's been a huge influx of nigerian christians coming into that fellowship which is great um and there's some well, uh, there's some plans for the future there as well um, more about that <laughs> being coy right. yeah 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 so, I hope you'll brief me on that for a comms story when, when that comes up <laughs> yeah I'm sure it will be so um, yeah and you know it's just a local parish church that's been faithfully plugging away doing its thing being there for people um, but we built this new school uh, Emmaus it was a it was a joint Catholic and Church of England primary school the local authority wanted to close both the St John's Church of England school and the St Oswald's Catholic school because they don't like small schools um, so a plan was formulated well why don't we join together can we make it work a joint Catholic and Church of England school and actually we did and we built the new school and it's a great thing and you know I was quite involved there uh, Hugh Thomas was the head teacher there um, and we started this thing messy church honestly it became the most massive thing ever there were more people coming to Messy Church on after school on a Wednesday evening. Clint French 
was the uh, leading person behind that. Um, more people coming to that than coming on a Sunday morning. Really good work. So, you know, there's lots of opportunities there. If you can find the resources, there's lots of opportunities in parishes like that. Um, once you've established your credibility, you know, the first couple of years, people are, hmm, are they actually here for the long haul? Or are they one of these people who's going to, like, buzz in, tell us what we should be doing, and then buzz out again? It took a couple of years, in my opinion, to gain the confidence of local people there. But, um, yeah, it was a good time. Not always easy, um, but some really good ministry done there, yeah. And there's something to be said as well, isn't there, about, you know, we talk about declining church numbers, but if you're not necessarily centred just on a Sunday morning, if you look at other times during the week for different acts of ministry, ministry and worship, yeah. people will come. Yeah, exactly. So we would put things on at church, like, a you know, a concert or something like that. And if you really worked at it, you could get six or seven people to turn out, which is fine. But like actually going out to the school to set up messy church in the church hall at a time when all the parents and the kids are there, 3.15, we had loads of people coming. It was easy for people. It was in a format that both the kids and the adults uh, could enjoy. Um, we had a meal together. You know, somebody said to me, this is the only time I ever actually sit down with my kids during the week. You know, and it's a simple Bible message aimed at the kids, yeah, but actually parents pick up from it too. Um, so, yeah, you've, you know, you've just got to take your opportunities when you're there. And we did other things that completely bombed and failed. Tried this big, um, you know, they built a student block um, towards the bottom, near, near Park Square roundabout. We tried running an alpha student alpha course in there. We thought, oh, this will work well. And it didn't work. But, you know, God honours what we try and do. I think I've often said, I'd far rather try and do something for God and fall flat on my face than be afraid to even try anything. And I think God honours that. So I suspect that attitude feeds into your present role, doesn't it? So we've, we've mentioned AATE. Give us a little flavour of what that is, okay. but also how your parish ministry and those, that, that attitude of let's give this a go feeds into that as well. Yeah, so AATE stands for Associate Archdeacon Transition Enabler. Woo! So it's kind of an experiment, um, but I think it's a really valuable one. So basically, I give support, encouragement, reflective space, um, I'm a friend, come alongside clergy and churches, and my patch is all the south and east of Sheffield. So um, I worked out, I've got 31 churches that I give support and encouragement to. Um, and so much of that is regular meeting with the clergy. Uh, I've been quite fortunate. Um, I've managed to recruit six new clergy from all my to cover all my vacancies yes this is good news very good and so i meet with all them and all the um and a lot of my other clergy as well the more established ones about once a month and it's to give them a bit of space to talk about their thoughts their ideas any issues that they're struggling with any ideas they've got and it's just good for them and often i don't have to actually say that much um you provide reflective space um and so you allow people to talk about things and then talk the way through it and figure out, right, okay then, so, so what could be an action point from this? What might you do differently then next time? 
or, well, okay, that's a great idea. What might be your first step in taking that forward? So um, it's coaching with clergy. That's a big part of it. And also I can point people. Um, when I was a parish priest, I felt quite isolated at times. Um, we're all doing similar jobs, but everybody's in their own patch. And perhaps wrongly, it often felt to me like, well, I'm being asked all sorts of complicated questions, which I don't really know the answer to. The world's getting more complicated. There's lots of like compliance type things to think about. You've got to think about the, the vision of the church, about moving things forward. You've got to think about building teams. And, you know, we're not all equipped to do all those things. Now, in these days of the current vision, there's lots of expertise to help you with all that stuff. We've spoken about Lights for Christ and things like that here in Church House, but people aren't always aware of it. So, again, part of my role is, oh, okay, so you want to start a discipleship program. That sounds like a really good idea. Had you thought about contacting Lights for Christ here at Church House? I can give you that email address if you like. So I point people, I signpost people to other sources of support and support with buildings and finance, all this kind of stuff. So that's a big part of it. And then I also enjoy working with PCCs. This might sound rather strange. I know PCCs, sometimes people think are not that exciting. But um, it's good to do like vision days and things with PCCs. So did one recently with one of my churches. And it was just to say, right, okay, you know, they've been through a bit of a tough time. Um, say, right, okay, I hear all this hurt from the past about not everything's now got, we're not able to do everything that we used to do. Okay, I hear that, we understand that. And we actually did like a liturgical thing of handing that over to God. But let's draw a line under that now and ask ourselves, well, what is God, what is God saying now? What's the opportunities that God's given us now? And let's not think about loads of mega things. What I want you to do is prioritize just three things and we'll put them together it could be a mission action plan or it could be just something that they do let's think about three things that we could do and what would be the first step to make those happen and let's focus on moving forward with new vision together rather than lament things from the past so i mean i enjoy doing that kind of stuff um so yeah working with clergy working with churches uh working with mission areas encouraging churches to work more together uh, with uh, other local churches in their mission area. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, because I've been in parishes like the sort of steady, just continuing along places like St. John's Park um, and in more thriving, lively places like Lodge Moor, it just helps me to understand where people are so I can understand some of the issues that they're going through and give a little bit of advice. Usually it's just helping people figure things out for themselves, but maybe give the odd pointer here and there as well. And there are a number of associate archdeacons and obviously you cover diverse patches and churches. Yeah. What are those conversations like when you sort of meet together and discuss sort of plans moving forward? Yeah, it's really good to be part of a team. Um, yeah, so there's six of us all together. Um, Ian's, uh, as people may know, Ian's been poorly, uh, and so he's taken retirement now. Uh, but I believe some things may be happening for that area. So, yeah, we meet together as a team. And in a way, we do similar kind of things. We share what, you know, well, I've got this particular problem with this parish. Well, what we did was we did X, Y, Z in this area. Oh, okay, we can think about that. Um, you know, we can support each other, cross-fertilize ideas. 
and very often it's not necessary for all six of us to do something so um, if we need to put together like a resource or something one person will say right well I'll put that together resource together and that'll do for the whole team so um, uh, yeah good to be part of a team cross fertilize ideas from across the diocese I mean let's face it we're all churches there's nothing much new under the sun um, what problem you've got probably somebody else has had somewhere else and they may have fixed it so why reinvent the wheel no you're absolutely right I think that's one of the great things that's, that's come out of the, the strategy you know I'm employed as part of that and the team that we've got around church ops and buildings is has really grown but we we really feel part of a team we get referrals from people like like Chris as well come in and say look there's a church that needs that help comms publicize stuff so there's a real much better team atmosphere around here the key of that is getting people on the ground to know we we've got a number of churches that we work with that are doing really really well and they tend to be quite often the churches that contact us because they're starting motoring so it's really a call out to this so that some of the churches that are finding those we used to do that we hear a lot of that don't we, we used to do that we used to do that to contact people in church house to get in touch and there are lots of people here that will come out and help uh, on the floor or, or on the on the ground as it were so yeah. and aates can help and advise Absolutely. on that so, yeah you know well i think this fits in with a brief of such and such a group yeah. in church where i can put you in yeah touch that's right them. yeah we get referrals so that's and you've fine. all been helpful as aates and sort of signposting stories to me as well which are really good because you've got those sort of well stories honestly i have the best job in the world so with visiting so many different churches i see all the success stories all the good things that are happening and it's a real encouragement to me in my faith and it's nice to be able to pass some of those on Let's talk about them and share them. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, it's been great to speak to you. Now, as you know, as you are a faithful listener to the podcast, we go a little bit off piece now with stuff. So now, this is the bit I've been dreading. Okay. Oh, right. This is the fun bit. Oh, this okay, is the fun bit. Go for okay. it. So, well, uh, obviously, the Scrappy Challenge, that we are now pushing yes. for that. I shall be writing to Channel 4 after this podcast to say, where is that? Series 3. Series 3. Um, so in terms of other stuff that goes around your life, you, you say there's always an engineering project. Is there a bit yeah. of a shed involved? Uh, I do have a large shed, although it's pretty stuck full of stuff at the moment. So current projects, did anybody go to the cathedral light show thing? I didn't go this year, been in the past, but yeah. Yeah, well, I did the DIY version of my house. I built like a, a secure waterproof box bolted down to our lawn and project because our house is rendered and painted. Projected onto our house, images of the nativity. That was quite a fun one. It's like a big. This is a Big Brother theme, isn't it? It's yeah. The sort of thing they were doing. Any photographic evidence of that? Uh, well, I tried to, but it just wouldn't work. It was too dark outside to pick up that video on my phone. But hey, a few of the neighbours opened their doors and watched it through, and a few cars pulled up and watched it run. That was a bit of fun. Yeah, very good. Um, we mentioned earlier Whitby and Scarborough. I mean, I love both places. Uh, Whitby, yeah. I last went to a couple of years ago. It's a favourite destination. Scarborough started to become a family favourite as well, actually. Okay. So not this new year, but the year before we went away um, for New Year to Scarborough. Again, it's a fantastic place. Probably an unfair question, but when we're talking fish and chips, <laughs> which does it better, Whitby or Scarborough? Good question. I mean, everybody talks about the Magpie Cafe in Whitby. Always However, busy. Yeah, and it's not really the very best. So there's one, oh, what's it called? Is it called Whackers or something like that? My brother's friend, Paul, who's a fisherman, has shares in it. So he catches the fish in his boat and takes it straight to the fish and chip shop. Uh, so that's in Whitby. So certainly good fish and chips there. But actually North Bay, um, North Bay Fisheries in Scarborough, uh, that's a good one too. So um, I personally, I think you can't go wrong um, with fish and chips in Whitby or Scarborough. 
uh, because the, the you know the raw material is just so close at hand. Sponsorship opportunities are available. I, I for was monetisation was yeah. coming about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a call out to our Scarborough yeah. Leeds diocese, I suspect, rather than rather than it'll be York diocese. York probably. Yeah. Yeah. Scarborough, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's a very good running route. I did the Yorkshire Coast ten k in Scarborough okay. this year, and that's a great running route. You start from the I mean the the spa bit in the yeah, south spa down bay. in the south bay. You go go over to the north bay you go yeah. past the sands hotel yeah uh the open air theater and you yeah. get to the um sea life center and it's all yeah, back. yeah yeah well i do that kind of route on my bike i'm not sure i would run it on a 10k but i cycle that kind of thing yeah oh it's just, it's a beautiful part of the world i could see why that and whitby both have a, a yeah. appeal and a draw to you yeah yeah so my standard question is books that people are reading do you read much? I, uh, I'm not a great reader. I've been reading, so for like intellectual stimulation, Richard Raw, Falling oh, yeah. Upwards. Yeah, yeah, I've read that, yeah. Um, now, somebody got me for Christmas. Oh, I help out with this tools group. We send, we ship out tools to Africa. And so somebody from tools group bought, bought me the history of the screwdriver. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's called, <laughs> great name, One Good Turn. Oh, hello. Great name. So I've read that recently, but I'm also enjoying, I'm rereading Jackie Pullinger's Chasing the Dragon. Oh, gosh, I haven't read that for years. Oh, it's fantastic. Talk about just living by faith, following God's guidance. Absolutely brilliant. I I went to, um, I think she spoke at a spring harvest I was at. Okay. And I thought, oh, I must go and see Jackie Pullinger. Well, no, I better not say what I thought, actually. But yeah, she... um, uh, Yes, so um, quite direct, perhaps yeah, I yeah. should say that. Really, yes, really yes. enjoying reading that again. So, um, yeah, so that's reading. Music. I uh, Look, okay, I admit I'm stuck in an 80s time warp. Yeah. I still that's a good to, like, thing. You, you said yeah. that like it's a bad thing. That's a Men of a certain age, though, aren't we, Chris? Yeah. Uh, You've got to break that. You have got to break that. Wow. I'm going to send you some suggestions. Okay, do, yeah. do, do. Yeah. But, yeah, um, Obviously, you know, Human League, Heaven 17, they're my main bands, I guess. Uh, I was a bit of a punk in the earlier days, uh, so like a lot of that stuff, um, Stranglers in particular. And um, sometimes got these uh, festivals, Rock the Moor or Rock the Northeast. They're actually pretty good. You just yeah. get to see all your favourite bands. Yeah. And it's not too expensive. Yeah. So, but yeah, all 80s time warp, I'm afraid. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. I say that's someone born in the 90s as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Any. Film, television genre that you're drawn to in particular, any particular shows or films? No, I've been enjoying um, catching up with The Detectorists. Oh, that's, yeah, again, yeah, The Detectorists is a great series. I I love it. I got into it, and it's just about, I mean, for me, there's something theological in there. You know, they're a bit geeky, they're a bit strange, but actually, there's place for people like this in this world, and and I believe there's place for people like this in the kingdom of heaven. You know, People who haven't necessarily got it all together, they don't necessarily get everything right, but hey, they're people. They're loved by God just the same. So, yeah, I've been getting into that one. Yes, lovely series, yeah. Chris, it's been great to have you on. You are currently top of the leaderboard okay. uh, for the year, especially okay. bringing in the Yorkie bars. So, yeah. um, Kathy Rhodes is next, so we'll have to see what uh, food she brings in. Well, hope there'll be a carbon net zero bar or something, won't there? Quite right. Yes, it? yes, you'll yeah. have to be on brand for that, won't you? Yeah. But it's been, it's been fascinating to talk to you. It's been a great way to kick off 2024 with a podcast. Um, to learn a bit more about you and we just wish you all the best with 
your role in encouraging other churches and please keep up the good work in sort of sharing the good news stories that they're doing. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I really enjoyed coming in. Thanks for, uh, thanks for giving me the time. No problem. And again, um, if you've got any comments in the new year, words of grace at sheffield.anglican.org. Uh, we've had a few emails in recently to keep wishing us Merry Christmas, so that was fantastic. But yeah, if you've got any suggestions or any ideas or just want to chat through some stuff, please do get in touch. And um, it's good to be back, Ben. Yes, good to be with you once again. All right, nice to see you. Bye.